Welcome to the Rough Puffs. I'm your host, Andrea Bennett. And I'm Kim Fu. This is a podcast where we usually watch and discuss the Great British Bake Off. Uh, But today is our palate cleanser that we do between seasons, where we're going to be talking about a different show. Uh, Specifically, Is It Cake? I suggested Is It Cake thinking, initially thinking, it would be kind of like watching Nailed It. But I feel differently now after having watched it, even though they use a metric ton of fondant in each and every episode, as well as a lot of other like technically edible stuff. I also feel differently. When we watched Nailed It as our palate cleanser last season, I was like, this is stupid. I don't get it. Um, I've only watched the first two episodes of the season of Is It Cake? And there, I mean, there only is one season, but I've only watched the first two episodes. And I feel like this is so stupid. I kind of love it. Yeah. <laughs> like I 100% get the appeal of this. What's the appeal for you? Like what's what makes it different? It is gratifying to like a lizard part of my brain watching them cut into the objects and having them be cake like there is like a childlike delight in that like it's it's like the setup of a joke like the joke and the punchline just like seeing an object that looks like a solid impenetrable object like you know fall apart and crumble and be cake it's just every time it's it's like a it's the way like the same joke delights a like a toddler over and over again that's how it feels it's like this same joke is delightful to me over and over again and then seeing them kind of strain to make to like come up with exciting context so that you can experience this joke over and over again is like also really fun i feel like the contestants at least in the first two episodes are really fun in episode one and two uh johnny is a feature is is like is uh one of the bakers who gets to bake and i had actually seen him before Actually, he was, like, guesting in someone else's YouTube channel, uh, as I had seen him. Um, And I kind of have, like, a crush on him, (laughs) like, from having seen him before. It's, like, somebody I already think is adorable. Uh, And then, yeah, that's, like, very simple delight that you get to have over and over again. Yeah. I guess we haven't explained the premise of the show. So I think it was during the early pandemic. Is this accurate? Um, People on the internet started making cake look like everyday objects in like a real like hyper realistic way um in a way that took like tons of skill and i guess someone at netflix i don't know how this show was made but um in my fantasy like someone at netflix saw like an instagram post and was like we have to make this instagram post into an entire tv show it does feel very like of the pandemic in a way Mm. because you've got I think it's nine contestants total, and they're all, like, amazing bakers of hyper-realistic cake. And you've got one host, Mikey Day, who is on SNL, I guess, in his real life. And then you have three judges that come in. But there's Mm -hmm. no, like, live studio audience or anything. And instead, what they do is they keep the, like, six bakers who aren't baking, they keep them on the sidelines Mm -hmm. to provide, like, chit-chat and um, trash talk etc while the other three are baking and mm-hmm. they bake for a long ass time it's not like nailed it where it's like all right 22 minutes to make your cake pops they get eight hours to make these like bananas hyper realistic cakes because yeah it takes that long i like the time line that they're given because they're not actually generally working under the gun most of the time they're kind of like taking a more chill pace that i feel like lends to the 
conviviality of the show. Yes, yes. I agree that that's the tone of the show. It it feels like there aren't that many people in the room, too. Like, it, it feels like they're working with kind of a skeleton crew, and there is kind of a, yeah. we're doing our best in the pandemic kind of energy yeah. to it. Like, everything does feel sort of pared back. Like, the sets are small and, like, very close together. I mean, it's still, you know, a fantasy reality TV kitchen with, like, a pantry of everything you could dream of kind of thing. But... There is still a smaller scale feel to it. Like it feels lower budget than this type of thing usually does, which I think only makes it more charming. My understanding was that the hyper-realistic cakes thing actually had been like big on the internet for a long time. Like I think that it was actually part of like early weird internet, like 15 years ago or whatever. But during the pandemic, it was more of like a TikTok thing where people would make these videos where it wasn't just showing off the realistic objects, but it would be like compilations of a mix of these cakes that, were hyper real, these cakes that look like objects and actual objects. So you'd see somebody with a knife and they'd be like, is this one a cake? And it's like, oh no, that one is just yeah. a real shoe or that one is actually <laughs> yes. a roll of toilet paper. And we'd be like, is this one a yeah. cake? And then, you know, some of them would be cakes and they'd cut through it. And so that like TikTok yes. phenomenon, I think is what directly inspired the show. Yes. Yes. No, you're right. Yeah. And I, I also love it. I also love it. <laughs> is it cake? And then the little knife comes down, the knife decision. I, it's just, it's just great. Sink and I have watched them all, all of the episodes. I've seen most of them more than once now, so. I'm definitely going to keep watching. I'm going to watch the rest of them. One thing I was disappointed about, though, is that in the first episode, they give the host, like, a big sword at one point, like, to cut things with. And then in the second episode, it is a much more sensible kitchen knife that he's cutting everything with. Chef knife, yeah. I was hoping they would keep giving him big stupid weapons to do this with Big i want to see like you know yeah. put an axe through a cake or a machete or something <laughs> that would be very gratifying the judges do taste all the cake too and it feels like they design the cake so that they actually like taste good other than the mm-hmm. fondant mm-hmm. no one eats the fondant they just like eat the innards this the structure of this show is that well okay let's go let's go through like the whole structure of the show so at the top of the show they have a display that is all objects, but one of them is cake. In the first episode, that determines which three bakers get to bake, like who can find the cake. The bakers, bakers have guess to guess which guess one first. is a cake. Yeah. And then in the second episode, and I assume for the rest of the season, um, it instead determines the order in which the bakers get to choose uh, their category of object to try yeah. to make their cake blend in with the real objects. Um, so they do a, a round of is it cake, like the bakers, and then they choose their category. After they've made their cakes, the first goal is to fool the judges. Like their realistic cake is thrown in with the real objects and they're trying to have the judges guess which one is a cake and guess wrong. But if multiple bakers succeed at this task, then the taste of the cake is judged. Like the the judges eat some cake no matter what, but it doesn't matter for the judging unless multiple bakers have succeeded at at convincing the judges that a different real object was the cake. This sounds so stupid when you describe it. No, it sounds beautiful. The third part is that um, whoever wins is presented with two objects and they look very similar and they both have like cash spurting out of the top. And if they can guess which object is cake, then they get extra cash. In both of the episodes I saw, those were so impressive. Yeah. In the, in the, in the second one, yeah. it's like a shopping bag of cash. And in the first one, it's like a sack of cash, like a burlap sack of cash. Burlap sack, yeah. But those ones, I like, I, gen- I was like, I was like, I genuinely have no idea. These look exactly the same. I cannot believe only one of them is a cake. You know? I know. Did you go into it thinking like, oh yeah, I'll be able to tell which, one, which, which object is cake? Most of the time. Mm, okay. I think as an audience member at home for most of them, it's not as hard because they do like 
close-ups, close-up shots of the cakes, and you have a little bit more time to process. So it's it's still very hard, but it's not as hard as it is on the show because on the show it's presented in like a state of chaos. <laughs> like they're given very little time to do it. There's yeah. kind of like flashing lights and everyone's screaming, kind of, right? Like it's like 20 seconds and, like, and they're kind <laughs> of like at a distance from the cake. The cake is, and all the objects are up on like little pedestals kind of far away from them. So if I were in their shoes, I would have no clue. Watching on TV, I feel like you have decent odds, I would say. They're still like, they're still super, super, super impressive though. It's just that the, the sex of money, I just, yeah. not even an inkling, like not even a suspicion. Yeah, no, no, no. Those ones are like, yeah, I was totally, completely had no clue. Okay, so the episode I chose for us to watch is season one, episode two, and it's called Phony Fashion, I think. So they have to replicate um, like items of clothing and they get on actual like fashion people to do it. Um, let's see. Hester Sunshine, who the host Mikey Day asks if if she'll uh, design his wedding costume or tuxedo, whatever. And then Jason Bolden, who has another Netflix show about styling Hollywood, about making Hollywood people look good. And Michael Yo, who has a podcast called Morning Yo. I guess he's not a he's not a fashion person. Yeah, I, I think Hester Sunshine is a Project Runway. Yeah, contestant. I, I gather on this show there's a lot of Netflix cross promotion. Like <laughs> yes, uh, like as you said, just Jason Bolden has a Netflix show, and I think some of the other judges throughout the season are people with Netflix shows. So so Hester is wearing like these big black frame glasses, and I think her top outer layer is like kind of translucent, and like she looks extremely funky like she comes out in like extremely funky avant-garde clothes jason bolden he's the one that's wearing the like pajama shirt right and like a baseball cap i think yeah Um, he looks put together but like in that way only stylists can yeah yeah it's his i mean his look is also very bold like his his shirt looks like a pajama shirt in construction like it has a pajama shirt notch collar it has pajama shirt like piping details uh but it's made out of this very stiff shiny fabric with like a visible weave so mm-hmm. it looks like a pajama shirt that costs a million dollars which is like kind of cool like it's you know it's kind of a swing i like it and then yeah michael yo looks kind of like just a normal dude <laughs> yeah he's, he's just a dude in a suit on tv <laughs> yeah. you know <laughs> I'd forgotten that he wasn't really like, oh, yeah, I was mostly focused on Hester and Sunshine and Jason Bolden being very fashioning. But mm-hmm. um, the other reason, I like the interplay between these three judges. But the other reason I chose this episode, other than it's fun, is that a shoe was the first thing I saw cut into as cake, where I was like, what the, <laughs> don't cut the shoe. Oh, my God, it's cake. Oh, my God, it's cake. And so... So it just felt, you know, like a little bit of early pandemic nostalgia um, before mm. we all turned on each other and um, politicized mask wearing. So um, anyway, uh, and the bakers who get to bake, Johnny won episode one. So he goes through mm-hmm. and he chooses Nina. And I can't remember yes. what reason he gives to choose Nina. She's a cake designer from Louisiana. And she has, like, the warmest vibe I believe I've ever seen on television. He, uh, like, suggests that 
like they've been talking while they've been hanging like, while they've all been oh, on okay. set like i know nina's heart or something like that like he, he just sees like he thinks nina's a great person is why he picks her and then he also picks april because yeah she has a young daughter and he says her daughter like should get to see her bake yeah i mean her daughter would at some point in time like everybody's gonna bake but yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah but that's why johnny makes his choices and then johnny has to make a bucket hat so first they're given uh the is it cake of fashion objects and amongst them there are purses and shoes and hats and johnny's the only one who doesn't guess correctly uh yeah. i thought this one actually was pretty easy to guess at yes. least in the close-up tv version yeah. um, i might not have been able to get from where they were standing but on tv that one looked pretty obvious like the, the purse that was a cake looked kind of off you know yeah it was supposed to be kind of like like fake leather snake print kind of thing yeah. and yeah. it was red it was simultaneously like too shiny and too matte it looks like old sugar like old frosting you know the way yeah. it dries down and it develops these like strange little ridges like yeah it looked like when oh like you left the cake on the counter overnight did he choose like the stack of sweaters or something no he chose the shoe um he oh. chose the white sneaker uh but he he said it was like kind of a panic choice like when they were <laughs> like why did you pick the shoe he's like i don't know it's not the shoe i know it's yeah. i think that's a real shoe <laughs> <laughs> oh that you could put your foot in yeah yeah <laughs> And then I can't remember if it's... Oh, I think April gets to choose first. She chooses a shoe because she says her husband is a sneakerhead. And April is the show's Canadian. Was she the only Canadian in the whole group? I think so. And she actually has, like, a real fancy job. Like, this is just something she does, like, for fun. Yeah. She does this as a hobby. Like, can you imagine? (laughs) No, I cannot. I cannot imagine. (laughs) In the, in the little montage of April's bakes, too, they're really impressive. She had one that was an orchid that looked unbelievable. It just looked like an orchid. It just looked like a real orchid. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently it was a cake. And then Nina, who works as a cake designer, like she, that's what she does for a living. It is bananas that this is what April does for a hobby and any of her cakes stand up to what the other folks are doing. And mm-hmm. I believe all of the rest of them do this for a job now. Not all, like they didn't always, but... I think Johnny is like struggling internet creator kind of. Oh, yeah. Like I, like I think he does also make cakes on commission, but I think he like doesn't have a bakery. I think it's just like a thing he's doing out of his house is like commissioning cakes mm-hmm. and making internet content. Okay. Well, fair enough. April has a fancy day job. Yes. Nina chooses a clutch. She chooses a purse. And yes. I think she chooses a purse because she's maybe done one before and has some ideas. And she says... She's happy to be in the fashion episode because she has she has her like personal sense of style. She's comfortable in this area. Her style is dope. I really yeah. like her clothes too. She's wearing these ridiculous shoes that have like a working Ferris wheel on yeah. them, like a wheel that spins <laughs> yes. on them. And they just they look awesome. And they show her they show a little montage of her like favorite shoes too. And she has one that's like a Santa Claus and a Mrs. Claus, like on her feet. They look they look great. Like she yeah, she has a defined and excellent sense of style as well. There's another guy in the show who's not baking this episode, but his name is Andrew, and he has, like, green hair and asymmetrical glasses and also, like, a huge, um, bright personal style. And it's interesting. I think that I like that style of hyper-realistic cake decorator more than, like, the folks who are, like, just wearing jeans and a black (laughs) shirt and like live in new york or whatever like i feel like Mm. if you're doing this to your job why not drive a hearse and like wear ferris wheel shoes 
I get that. I get that. In the little montage of uh, Nina's cakes, I actually didn't think hers looked that impressive in the in the pictures. Like she had a uh, crawfish boil one and one that was supposed to look like a steak and one that was supposed to look like a Nintendo Switch, I think. And yeah. none of them were that were that impressive, like the ones that they showed in the photos. But then her clutch in the episode is amazing. Like it looks yeah. so good. And I was kind of like confused by that discrepancy, I guess. Like the, the ones in the, they showed in her picture montage, not that great. And then once she was like let loose in the kitchen, she was incredible. She was making, you know, pebbled fake leather texture out, you know, out of fondant. She was making thread out of fondant in which to like make the purse look like it has stitching. I sort of wondered if part of it was that the photos of hers were bad. Mm-hmm. Photos can really make or break, especially if you're trying to, yeah, make cake look realistic. Like, having the wrong lighting can really mess that up. Food, like, other foods, like, especially a steak. And then she had one that was supposed to look like a cat. Those two are extraordinarily challenging in a certain way. There's an uncanny valley aspect to it when it's something that is or was alive that I think is more challenging than an inanimate object. Yeah, that's true. I wouldn't ever try doing a cat. Well, I'm not going to try doing any of these because it does leave the realm of baking and it heads into not even like cake decoration. It's like this sculpture extra. Yeah, sculpture. Yes. They do sometimes paint, but they often do like an airbrush technique to get like color onto stuff. And Mm -hmm. I don't know. There are a lot of weird different techniques. In another episode, someone makes a bowling pin and so they have to mold. He molds in a, of like silicone, a real bowling pin, and then coats white chocolate mm-hmm. into the mold. It's bananas. They're also familiar with all kinds of specialized tools too that are yeah. not about making things delicious, but making things structural or look a certain way, right? Like mm-hmm. they use all kinds of powders and dusts and things that are, all these things that are like technically edible. Yeah. Like you wouldn't be interested in them because they're not at all about making a cake more delicious, right? Or even pretty. They're about like replicating other existing materials you know the the white candies that have like the rice paper wrapper that's white rabbit candies yeah i feel like that that wrapper that's like a lot what a lot of the stuff tastes like yeah like at best it tastes like nothing very often it just tastes like sweet but it's supposed to serve functions like glue or like create sheen or you know imitate metal or imitate fabric or whatever they're more like feats of engineering almost like culinary engineering yeah before we talk about um like how everything turns out should we go to like a kim's tasting corner yeah let's do it is there a new music for this one that's like you sipping noodles (laughs) no i i made a theme last time that i'm probably just gonna keep using as like the king's tasting corner that's like sounds like oh yeah 90s saxophone music oh yeah first got on this call you thought I was wearing lipstick uh which I never do so no oh, I was surprised <laughs> but actually my lips are just really red and swollen uh because I was eating uh Samyang fire noodles <laughs> which is uh the item you chose for uh Kim's tasting corner which is our segment where I eat things with gluten in them because you cannot and then describe them to you 
Uh, would you like to know the history of these noodles? I would love to know the history of these noodles. Okay, so there's a dish in Korea that that was like a viral hit um, in like like 2007-ish uh, that was like this very spicy chicken dish called uh, baldak chicken. It's just like chicken in a very spicy sauce. And then like that sort of fell out of fashion, you know, it had its fad. And then like seven years later, this company, um, Sanyang, who make like a very popular ramen, instant ramens, made a instant ramen that was flavored like baldak chicken, like it was the fire chicken ramen. And then a little while after that, like English speaking YouTubers started holding like challenges where it was, it would be like the, the challenges to eat a whole packet of fire chicken ramen without having any water. Or like you have a group of people who are all eating a full bowl of it. And then it's like, who reaches for the water last? And so this was like an internet thing that actually has been going for like many years now. I started eating these in like 2019, I think. They're very, very spicy. <laughs> They're a dry instant ramen, which means like you cook it in the water and you drain all the water off and then you add the sauce and sort while it's still hot and on your stove so that you're, you're like kind of like stir frying the noodle. Yeah. So now they make several varieties, but all of them have the same like packet of very dark red sauce that you put on the noodles. And then lots of the varieties have like fun toppings you put on as well. I think we saw a video like jp and i saw a video like this like one of the many videos like this that existed and we were like curious uh about it and <laughs> they were very very popular right they're like globally like a huge huge hit like very popular um and so we went and we got some at our asian supermarket the first time we ate them was probably like the best it's very delicious you know it's like kind of a gochujang based sauce uh but it's okay. not very sweet and it does have like kind of a savory chicken broth flavor as well and then the like fun topping variety ones are really good, right? There's like a jajangmin one. So it's like a black bean noodle one. So it's got like this like fermented black bean, like slightly sweeter flavor. Um, and it has like freeze dried peas in it that work really well. And if you add fresh peas to it, even better. Like it's like a good base for greens. My favorite one is the carbonara one. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> fake cheese and like freeze dried parsley and like some herbs and stuff that's in the mix of it. But I say like the first time we ate them was the best because it was so spicy that it was like a high. It feels like bracing, you know, like it opens up your sinuses and you feel like kind of more alive for a second, right? I think, I think it actually like triggers your pain responses so much in your mouth that it like releases endorphins. But we discovered that the more you eat it, like the more diminished that high gets. So it's like, uh, if you've been eating a lot of it, then like you'll be eating it and you won't get that high. And it won't even like taste that spicy to you after a while. Oh no! So it is most delicious if you only have it like once a month. Okay. It, it has this effect of like, you know, like when you open like a tin of coffee and you smell it. I love that smell. Yeah, that, that feeling I feel like happens if you don't eat these too often. That was a lot. What are, questions? Go. Yeah. <laughs> Does it sort of like set your mouth on fire and make you tear up or? Um, okay. So the, the regular flavor is just called fire chicken. And then they also make a one that's called 2X fire chicken. That's like twice as spicy. And then they make all these like oh. fun varieties that I've been talking about. The fun varieties, the heat is tamped down a little bit by a lot of those elements, right? Like by adding a creamy element or adding a sweet element or something. And so those ones don't, for me anyway, they don't like make your whole face burn, you're crying, kind of the kind of thing. The regular one and the 2X one, I feel like does that a little bit. Interestingly, even though apparently the 2X one is like double on the Scoville scale or whatever, I don't find them to be that different. I feel like they taste the same and that's sort of what my brain registers. It's, it's kind of past a point where your brain is just like, it's very spicy. Like I can't distinguish yeah. after that. <laughs> and so it does like a little bit, but it's not 
it's not lasting and it's not like like some things i've eaten they're so spicy that you can't taste anything you know like they they, yeah. they burn out and then you can't enjoy yeah. the flavor but these are like they're really good in every other way like the flavor is really good and then also like the noodles are really good the noodles are really springy and thick the noodles look great yeah it's a great instant ramen intense spiciness aside do you normally like spicy food like when you go to a restaurant and you get like a mild medium hot option what do you usually pick if i've never been there before i will pick medium because again i feel like there is a point where you like you can't taste it anymore and then that's not fun there have been a couple times in my life where something has just been untenable there's a taiwanese hot pot place in seattle called boiling point it's not hot pot in the way like where you cook stuff yourself at your table it's they're kind of like pre-made little hot pots that they bring to you okay there was this thing in the menu that said like the only option is very hot like we cannot reduce the spice for you for this and it sounded good so i ordered it and we were like seated in the middle of the restaurant you know like like at a table that's like in the dead center surrounded by other tables and it was like killer like I was like sobbing (laughs) and like you know like there's like or you I looked I looked like I was crying you know like and I told JP that I think if somebody saw us from the outside like through the window they would think he was breaking up with me because I was like just like (laughs) coming apart you know trying to eat this thing I it's interesting like I can't actually I can't really eat spicy food I find gochujang and um like kimchi not so bad for some reason but I usually have to order mild it upsets my stomach Mm -hmm. um and and then after you haven't really eaten spicy food in a while if you accidentally eat something spicy well first of all i can't keep eating it because it's gonna make me sick but second of all i have like no tolerance anymore and so it's just like (laughs) yeah it's so overwhelming i find spicy food like an interesting it's an interesting thing that humans do to ourselves Mm -hmm. like especially people who really get into eating extremely hot chicken wings and or get into those like extreme scoville hot sauces i don't get that because again i feel like you can't taste anymore no when the pain is too high then you can't experience the other flavors and so i don't understand what the point of that is i also um they'll have like sweet chili chocolate or something like that like they'll they'll have a slightly spicy chocolate Mm. and i like those from time to time i got one once that was properly just like shot through with cayenne pepper oh no that was inedible it was so spicy it was like getting the four flame chicken wing Mm. option and that was the most confusing that was a moment actually for me where i was like the culture in north america has changed because (laughs) it used to be that if you if you went to the grocery store like some kind of like white bread place and you were like i'll have spicy you'd get it back and be like oh there's pleasant tang Mm -hmm. but like it's like oh the tides have changed now um spicy can mean spicy yeah i don't like people who consider it like a measure of bravado or strength or anything or you know people people who are like really really proud of their spice tolerance i feel like that seems strange to me it does seem like a physiological thing about someone that is like not that interesting to me and and you can build spice tolerance over time but i also like don't totally see the point in that like I, I don't know like why that is a skill i'd want to cultivate it's it's not gonna let me taste more delicious things no it's like arm wrestling i think really it's like a social thing more than well i mean that that i get that i want to be good at yeah 
<laughs> so that's why you like build your spice tolerance so that you can be like, I can chicken wing you un- under the table or whatever. But I guess arm wrestling does correlate with physical strength, which does have lots of benefits in daily life, right? It means oh, like yeah. it hurts less to carry a load of groceries, right? <laughs> no. Okay. That's true. Being able to eat spicy food is only ever going to just get you more spicy food food i also think it only makes you seem like a more interesting or adventurous person if you're white and if you're like a particular kind of white person right who who exoticizes other things right who thinks that that makes them more interesting or part of their personality there there are two there's like two tracks for that for white people so there's the like bro kind with chicken wings and then there's the sort of like Mm -hmm. i live in a city and i'm cultured and so i can eat things other than craft dinner But, yeah, no, I mean, I have to order mild everywhere I go. Do you feel like you get to miss miss out on things for that reason? Yeah, sometimes. Although it's fine. I can make stuff at home. So, like, with gochujang, I can make, like, a sauce that still tastes like Mm. that flavor and that doesn't, like, spice me out. Yeah, I mean, if something has, like, several flames beside it on the menu, I have to rule it out. But... (laughs) It's not that often that I miss out, but I was extremely tempted by this ramen package. The other reason I wanted you to try these noodles is because um, the last time I had ramen, or I've only ever had instant ramen, like I've never had real ramen in my life. Mm. And um, it was during, in the 90s, there was like this fad or trend of eating Mr. Noodles, like uncooked, just like crunching them up in the package and sprinkling the seasoning into the package, mm-hmm. which I was not allowed to have, but um, one of my best friends at school never ate all hers, and so I got to taste the forbidden noodles. But yeah, I was also wondering if you could tell me what like what real ramen tastes like. Real ramen is like a whole category of food is the thing. So it's like you asked me to tell you what pasta tastes like. You know what I mean? It's like, it's a whole, there's so many, like, um, JP told me once about having a coworker who said he didn't like ramen. And I felt enormously skeptical of that statement. Cause I feel like you haven't eaten every ramen, like every kind of ramen. Like, I, I feel like I know what he's saying. Like, it's like, I don't like the one kind of ramen that is available to me where I live prepared the way at the places near me do it. Yeah. To me. Yeah. To me, it was like saying like, I don't like pasta or like, like it, like it's just, it's just there's there's too much possibility or like I don't like I don't like cookies I guess or like I don't, you know it, it's like this is this is a big category we we will find one you yeah. like I guarantee it. So to loop back to is it cake? The judges are stumped mm-hmm. by Nina's clutch. They are stumped by Johnny's bucket hat. They are stumped by April's shoe. Mm -hmm. Every single one of the bakers just stumps him. And there's this funny moment where, I don't know, one of the judges is, like, talking about going to the cake judging Olympics. And then Jason Bolden is like, we're not making it to the Olympics. We're like, oh, for three. (laughs) We're out. Ultimately... Um, they choose Nina to go forward because her, her cake tasted delicious. Mm-hmm. And they were very impressed by the fact that when she makes her clutch, she makes like a fake strap that like tucks yeah. in. It's very detail oriented. But I would say April also did a really good job on her mm-hmm. shoe. And, 
you know, Johnny didn't do as good a job on his bucket hat. He had tried to use some kind of fancy new thing to do a fabric. Flexique. Flexique, yeah. And he ended up having to do, I think, just fondant. I think he used molding chocolate in the end. Um, but yeah, I bet his tasted awful because of the Flexi incident. Like mm-hmm. it was just covered in like speckles of edible glue, you know, trying to get the Flexi to work. Yeah. I think you'd have to dig really deep to make his taste okay. <laughs> <laughs> and like yeah, any. and also, yeah, the hat did not look that great up close. Like I, I understand how they were stumped from yep. a distance. I would be too. Uh, but when, when the camera zoomed in, um, I actually, for April's, even though we saw her make it, I kind of forgot sort of which one was hers in the chaos of the judging. And there was like a, another shoe that had, um, that was like really garish in color and had kind of these like felted details that kind of were like raised off the shoe. And it's like, that one looked yeah. way more like a cake than hers did. Yeah. But yeah, so, so Nina gets to go on to make that final distinction, um, so the way the show works is you get $5,000 for winning the main round, and then you go on to try to get another $5,000 by is it caking yourself between those two those <laughs> two things filled with money. And she does not correctly guess. She does not, very sadly. I was just thinking about how if you wanted to up the ante, especially with the shoes, especially people that ever worn the shoes, instead of using knife, you'd have to just, like, bite into the shoe. <laughs> <laughs> That would also is be it super satisfying. That would be super satisfying with <laughs> yeah. people raising things in their face. I was just going to say, like, I made a cake, I don't know, sometime when Sinclair and I were, like, watching the show because it made me want to eat cake real bad. It also started giving me ideas for cake flavors. Like, I really want to do a coffee-flavored cake with coffee-flavored Swiss meringue buttercream and, like, a rice crispy crumble mm. layer in the buttercream between the layers. Anyway... Because Sinclair had been watching the Is It Cake where they just kind of, the judges end up like attacking the cake with their forks. She came at my cake like that. And I was like, no, 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 no. We eat slices in this household. It's true. They don't really slice the cake in that initial cut. It's more like the cake is just obliterated kind of in that first like smushing cut. Any final thoughts? Good show. I like it. I'm going to keep watching. Yeah. It's so stupid and it doesn't care. It knows it's stupid and it knows its pleasures are simple and it delivers them to you with these. The competition itself feels super low stakes and everyone is seems very yeah. chill and it's just like it's a very, you know, it's a very pleasant thing to have on in the background while you're brushing your dog or doing the dishes or something. I think that one of the reasons I like it better than nailed it is that I like to see talented people do what they do best. Mm. And I especially like that when it's a low-stakes competition. So I think that that's part of why this is appealing to me. Because they do amazing stuff, like legitimately amazing stuff. It's true. And also, like, Nailed It was a little bit mean-spirited, right? Like, the judges were making fun of them and here it's like the judges are like they are sort of contestants themselves right like they're also put in like a challenging yeah. position so even where the judges are are antagonistic to the bakers it's like like they're struggling just as much you know like they're also being yes they're also in a competition <laughs> yeah i guess it feels it feels like a level playing field and then also the host is supposed to be sort of self-deprecating he's supposed to feel kind of superfluous and like silly and like you know, in awe of all these yeah. like amazing talents he's surrounded by. Uh, so yeah, there's this vibe of like, no one's taking themselves too seriously. No one thinks they're like hot shit, you know, and that's, 
it's very sweet. It's sort of fun. It's refreshing. This has been The Rough Puffs. Uh, your hosts are Andrea Bennett and Kim Fu. Um, you can find us on Instagram at The Rough Puffs or on Twitter at Rough Puffs. Uh, we both also write books. Andrea's latest is an essay collection called Like a Boy But Not a Boy. And my latest is a story collection titled Lesser Known Monsters of the 21st Century. Join us next time for Is It Chew or Is It Chew? <laughs> Like the pastry versus the footwear. <laughs> <laughs>